Promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank and the General Building Contractors Association. This is Growing Greater Philadelphia, bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the next exciting edition of Growing Greater Philadelphia. Hey, WPHT 1210 and business radio host Dan Loney, he's with us again today. Matt, as always, great to spend a little time talking business. Absolutely. Hey, you know, Dan, the Greater Philadelphia region, it's known in part for its talent, from the legal expertise to the financial expertise and to the trades. It's made up of builders and craftsmen and designers. And a lot of companies that work with those people, like Revolution Recovery, a very successful recycling company founded and operated right here in Philadelphia. And it's one of those below-the-radar type of organizations that's setting the standard for how materials are recycled, as well as transforming what it means to be sustainable. And the story of Revolution Recovery, it's one of those conversations that really needs to be experienced firsthand to appreciate and understand their company's culture. So I'll show you around a little bit. And, you know, more than a traditional hard hat tour, we literally got our hands dirty in this immersive recycling plant that's located just off of I-95 in Northeast Philadelphia. From tractors and forklifts to shredders, Jamie Weibar of Revolution Recovery's business development team gave us a tour of the organized chaos at the plant. One thing that stands out in a facility like this is the sheer amount of daily materials that they're processing. Co-owner Jonathan Weibar explains. Well, we are, I think we're blessed in that regard that it's like, it's super tangible. So I can show you every day we have 500 tons of material come in, 500 tons go out. I think it's much harder for the people who work at financial or like complex insurance. Like, can you describe it to a four-year-old? We're like, yeah, you know, at a construction site, they're cutting, they're producing this waste cardboard from deliveries and cutoffs of drywall and cutoffs of wood and pallets and shrink wrap. And, and then what do you do with that? Because I don't think the average consumer or observer says, I get it. They just know you do something with it. Where does it end up? So we take that and we separate it. We pull the, we put the pallet and the wood stud over here. We put the metal stud and the air duct over there and we put uh, the carpet over here and the cardboard and the paper and and we separate all those different materials that can be recycled but the way they come off the construction site all mixed together you know that had to go to the landfill so we separated in there we have over 40 products we send drywall to lancaster where they process it and make soil amendment, fertilizer, conditioner with it. We send plastic to Alabama where they grind it up and uh, make plastic pellets that can go into new plastic products. We send scrap metal to local shredders. We export plastics and cardboard all over the world, where you know wherever the market takes it, that are made into new paper and cardboard products. We crush down concrete, and that can go as a as a sub base for roads or a parking lot. So many carpet goes to Georgia, hmm. where they can uh, make new plastic pellets to. Right. Um, recycled into new carpet or other or other products, even like uh, fleece vests or mm-hmm. and other materials. And excited to see you know recycling markets bloom and to make increasingly higher end finished products from recycled materials. 
As metal rolls down a yellow conveyor belt, workers who have developed the hands and dexterity that are exceptionally skilled, they sort through the mangled scraps, or what John Wybar calls the good stuff. This is, uh, this is the good stuff. You started this uh, in 2008 with seven employees uh, in the Holmesburg section of Northeast Philadelphia, if I have all that correct. We actually started in 2004 under a different name. And in 2008, we moved it to the, it was just a concept. In 2004, we started with, it was me and my business partner. We we had about $10,000, no know-how, no contacts. Um, but you had a vision. We had a vision and we, well, yeah, we, we wanted to recycle drywall. We were seeing this, all this drywall go to the landfill from the cutoffs from new construction and it read that in Wisconsin, they were recycling it. And, uh, we were naive enough to give it a shot and we had nothing to lose. We were young and, uh, you know, not, not a lot of responsibility or dependence and uh, so we were naive enough and had nothing to lose, and so we went for it. And I think that first year in 2004, we billed our gross sales were $60,000, and our expenses were 62000 Ah, And that's with no salary, and you had to pay your own cell phone and your own gas. That's a true startup. Yeah. With some growing pains. Exactly. This pile will be nothing at certain points in the week. And you look at it now, it's a mountain. Tell us about the quantity of material that you guys handle uh, every day. Yeah, so we handle 500 tons a day at each one of our plants inbound. And honestly, to sit here, when you talk to, to lay people about that kind of material, even saying it to myself, you can't really fathom just how much that is. But that's 150 you know, big truckloads. Uh, it's just it's staggering. It's staggering. 150 big truckloads of construction material coming into two different facilities that are then processed, if you will. Yeah. And tell us about that processing. So we begin with a, uh, a pre-sort where we just scan the material, look for uh, anything that's unsafe or things that mechanically won't go through our process or chemically have something that we don't want in our outlets. And we try and pull those out manually or with the machine on the floor. Then it enters into our automated processing equipment where we have shaker screens and conveyor belts, incline conveyors and shredders, grinders, magnets, um, more screens. We have air density separators that classify on density and it's quite involved. It's 600 feet long and lots of moving parts. If you're, yeah, for, for kids or whatever, if you're into that kind of machinery, it's 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 pretty cool because there's you know stuff flying out and you know all the bells and whistles and ringing and it it look like Laverne and Shirley is the analogy we get a lot for the manual part. But there's many stages as we are taking the material through the process. We recover what we want to pull out and then go to the more automated parts where the machines size down, extract, screen, separate, all the different commodities we're looking for. So before you had mentioned the three Ps that really drive your business, explain a little bit more what those are. Absolutely. Yes, people, planet, profit. I learned about it from my office manager, Fern Gukin. And yeah, I I say it all the time and, and try to hold myself accountable to it. And if I don't, my team does. 
But yes, it's uh, making sure you're balancing uh, the people working with you, the people you work for, the people you're interacting with, the planet, the environment, and and profit. You know, I understand that we have to be profitable to move forward, to to make the wheels go round. But uh, if if we're hurting people or the planet, then it's not worth it. We have to balance those three things, and I think it's a great way to uh, to do business sustainably. And I think it's paid off for us because we get good people um, and they bring the same thing. If we're taking care of them, you know, they're going to take care of the company and it's gone well for us. You had mentioned profit and it's one of your kind of driving forces of your three P's of people, planet and profit. And clearly companies have to be successful financially and operationally in order to continue to grow and have a positive impact, not only on their employees, but on their communities. And, and in your case, um, on the planet is a big part of your, of your operation and your focus. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that business model and how that works for you and um, your interaction with, uh, with the business community in greater Philadelphia, with the um, civic community as well, and just in general, the construction environment and, and how they have been helping you and your team to continue to be successful and innovate and get better every day at what you do. Certainly. Um, so, yeah, we think it's you know, very important that everyone that interacts with our company is better off for it, be it our community, our employees, our vendors, our customers. We treat them all with respect and, yeah, really feels that has paid dividends back to us. One phrase that I can't stand that I hear is like, oh, he drives a truck or he just pushes a broom or what does he know? He's the janitor. I can't stand that. It drives me nuts. I know the guys who push the broom at our facility are so important to our appearance, to our safety. Uh, and I want them to take great pride in their job. And the guys who, who drive for us are, are so important to our company, represent us and, and go through a bunch. So that's the mentality that I try to bring every day and I try to relay to my team as best possible. And yeah, that we, we don't want neighbors upset with us. If, if there's a comment or something, we want to respond as best we can and be, be that positive impact on people's lives. And thus far, that has really has paid dividends. We try to treat everyone well. And when we knock on doors and we make phone calls, you know, people are there to answer. Uh, We've had great support from our local EPA office, from our DEP office here, uh, from GBCA, from the city. We have so many resourceful people who have helped us and given us introductions, advice, connections. Uh, revolution recovery and our growth is very much a product of this region and all those people who have helped us along the way. So, John, one of the really unique things about Revolution Recovery is your connection with a special part of the community that most people would probably be surprised to hear about. Yes, we're very lucky to host a rare Recycled Artist in Residence program, which is a fantastic art residency program run by Fern Gukin and Billy Dufala who brought the idea to us around 2011, and and, uh, they really, hats off to them, but I'll speak for them as they're not here as best I can. We're just the, you know, just host them. Uh, But yes, you have this recycling plant with all these machines and all these people and trucks coming around and everything is there for a purpose and, you know, has to hit its production numbers and it's very logical and 
And then you have this artist in residence program who's doing whatever their artistic spirit moves them to do. And that dichotomy is beautiful. The relationship between uh, the revolution recovery team and the artists of rare is fantastic. And, uh, and it lightens, you know, it lightens the mood and, and it really is inspirational for me. And I know for, for some of the team, it keeps us, it keeps the vibe good. And it's great. Uh, been great marketing and PR for revolution recovery and where I sit on the business end of things, but yes, they're out there making sculptures, paintings, photography, and they have a rotating artist that comes for a couple days, weeks, months, and takes on these projects and they, just produced the most incredible if you visit their website or any of their shows just these incredible pieces of art all from recycled material yeah and you you know my employees are always just so surprised to see what what intrigues them and what they're interested as they look through this 500 tons a day of material but as billy says it's just a dream, you know, for him to have 500 tons every day where artists, you know, struggle to get materials and he's got, he just has this, you know, huge um, supply room. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and what I love about that as well is you think about recovery and recycle. Uh, and oftentimes, as you are articulating, it's, you know, chopping, shredding, repurposing of building materials. But there's another way of doing it, and that's by engaging an artist who can think more creatively and say, we can recycle this, but in a different way than repurposing it through the traditional ways. Yeah. There's no rhyme or reason. They, you know, that's why they're artists. They're so creative that they just come up with these fantastic ideas and yes that's the ultimate repurposing i mean yeah you can be a wood chip or a new plastic bucket or something but man to be a piece of art in a museum you know no no item of trash that came in our facility ever dreamt that they'd that they'd see that day and the awareness that that creates for recycling for waste management is is the real is the real win there Revolution Recovery's tie-in with artists is such a thoughtful partnership with the community around them. It's really incredible. And folks, you'll want to listen to more of that conversation that we just couldn't fit on the radio. It's online right now at 1210wphd.com slash select. And coming up next, one area company is helping craftsmen learn the tools of the trade and quite literally... Millennials are helping to make Greater Philadelphia a major talent hub in the United States. 39% of millennials hold a bachelor's degree or higher compared with 33% across the nation. Find out more at selectgreaterphl.com and tune into the growing Greater Philadelphia podcast on radio.com. This is a citizen's perspective on planning for retirement, also known as the five stages of grief. Presented by me, Tony Goes, Premier Relationship Manager at Citizens Bank. When it comes to helping my clients, like Dave here, plan for retirement, I get this a lot. First comes denial. Not worried. Definitely not worried. I've got plenty of time and money. Then anger. What was I thinking? Why didn't I start saving more years ago? Then fear. What am I going to do now? This is bad, right? Right? Then comes bargaining. Okay, how about this? Here's an idea. What if I start saving more next year? Then finally, acceptance. Maybe we should get started. I can help take the grief out of planning for retirement. Ask me, Tony Goes, how a citizen's retirement checkup can help you reach your potential. 
Citizens Bank is a brand name of Citizens Bank and A and Citizens Bank of Pennsylvania, member FDIC. Citizens Bank Wealth Management is comprised of both bank and brokerage affiliated companies. Independence Blue Cross is a leading health insurance company offering health plans including managed care, Medicare, and Medicaid with over 10,000 dedicated employees. Learn more about Independence Blue Cross at ibx.com. This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by Stradley Ronan, a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia Council. Stradley Ronan has been recognized as one of the region's top mid-sized companies for charitable giving, volunteer opportunities, and philanthropy to benefit greater Philadelphia. Learn more about Stradley Stradley Ronan at Stradley.com or call 215-564-8000. Select GreaterPHL.com for stories of our collective community and the mission of Select Greater Philadelphia to grow the economic vibrancy of our region. This is Growing Greater Philadelphia. The future of making is the tagline for this one-of-a-kind makerspace that teaches people how to use tools in order to build their craft and even their business. While they have multiple spaces within the region, we went to their largest space at their South Philadelphia location and chatted with NextFab's Director of Sales and Marketing, Eric Kaplan, about the mission of their company. So NextFab is a membership-based makerspace. So we are a network of makerspaces across the greater Philadelphia region with two locations in Philadelphia, one in Wilmington, Delaware. We have uh, upwards of a 1,000 members that access our space to uh, tinker, to hobby, to prototype, to build anything that they want to build, and to learn how to build anything they want to build with the equipment that we have available for them. So the history of NextFab, it goes back almost 10 years now, if not a little bit more. Right. So Evan Malone, uh, the founder and president, uh, started the company in 2009. NextFab's first location at 3711 Market Street opened in 2010. That was about a 4,000 square foot location. And with some other partners, they built, you know, essentially a smaller version of what you see here today for members to access equipment so they can build and test and prototype all their ideas. That quickly grew from that 4,000 square space back in 2010 to now our 21,000 square foot headquarters on Washington Avenue. This is no ordinary office space. Why did you guys choose to set up shop here in Philadelphia? Yeah, there's no denying that you're in a different world when you walk into NextFab. And that's the whole idea of the company, right? We are a transformative company, and we offer a transformative experience for our members and for Philadelphians as well. Philadelphia is historically a very uh, richly beloved city of manufacturing. And so the reason why NextFab was opened in Philadelphia was to further uh, manufacturing in the city and to continue the history, but to bring it into the future, which is why one of our taglines is that we're the future of making. So in you know the idea that is closely held mission of NextFab is access to all the equipment, but also access to the opportunity to fulfill, to change, to create the kind of life that you want to live in Philadelphia. Talk with us about the type of business leader that is establishing a small shop or maybe even a medium or large size shop where they want to actually grow their company. So they themselves as business leaders are transforming through the process. So we offer not only the, the space and the education to teach people how to use the equipment within our space, We also offer different workshops and resources so 
potential business leaders can grow within NextFab as well. So those that are already established that are um, you know savvy enough to understand how to de-risk their business and prototype um, you know as efficiently as possible, they will come to NextFab because they understand how fast they need to move. But then within NextFab, business leaders will grow through the education that we can give them both in our classes, our workshops, our one-on-one uh, consultations, and then just through the time that they're here as well. Collaboration is at the heart of NextFab. The point of NextFab is to collaborate together and so people get to learn from each other. And those are the kind of business leaders we're trying to cultivate are collaborative, Philadelphia civic-minded, socially-minded uh, business leaders here. So we are in the wood shop right now at Washington Avenue. Um, as you can see, it goes all the way back. It's the complete back half of the building, and it's very comprehensive. Um, it has your traditional woodworking tools like band saws, table saws, miter saws, sanders, uh, and then also some more high-tech, more modern machines like our CNC router called the ShopBot. So that's the voice of Lisa Delaporta, the Education Services Manager at NextFab. She took us through their collaborative workspace where craftsmen of today and tomorrow are really honing their skills. What the ShopBot does is takes a computer file and follows the pathways that you dictate with that computer file and carves out things that would be very difficult to do by hand in a faster way and a more accurate way. NextFab kind of feels like a community center that's crossed with classrooms where folks are learning things like woodworking and welding, even 3D printing, and so much more. Lisa explains for us the kinds of members that populate their NextFab spaces. One of the really interesting things about our entire membership base is the diversity of the people who come into this space. So we have uh, some people who are brand new makers. They've never picked up a tool in their life. They've always wanted to. There's a certain level of intimidation there. We have some people who have been working with tools in someone's garage since you know they were very small children. And so what we really try to do is hit all points of the educational spectrum for these people. Um, taking people who have base skill sets and expanding them to higher level, more capable, competent makers. Taking people who never really thought that they could make the table and you know, teaching them that this is something that's attainable, this is something that is a learning experience. The community here is very supportive, both between the people who pay to be here and also the staff. Um, fear of failure is always something that we talk about. You know, when you have come into the space and when you're making something, uh, try not to have that. Just try to be open-minded, try to understand that you're physically learning something. It, it's a learning process and we're here to support you and your other members, your co-members are here to support you uh, and really just try to make the most of what you can together. Our woodshop safety class is included with membership. All members have to take it to be in the woodshop. Uh, the project is a cheese board. And so you get a piece of wood, uh, you sand it, you drill a hole in it, you use the bandsaw to cut it into whatever shape you want, and then you finish it. Lisa, you meet somebody uh, who's interested in uh, starting their own shop. And maybe they're 22 or maybe they're 62. Based on your experience leading education at NextFab, what kind of advice and guidance do you give an individual like that? Keep an open mind. A common pitfall we see with people who come to us with a prototype or an idea for a physical product is it must be made in metal. It must be made in wood. Uh, and part of the experience of education here is learning that there are other ways to make your widget, and they might be more cost effective. They might be more, you know, time sensitive. Um, if you have an open mind and you're flexible and willing to expand your horizons, it's better for your business. It's better for your product. It's ultimately better for everyone. So Lisa, share with us the history of the name NextFab. 
So fab is short for fabrication, um, which is, you know, a verb that means the making of things, the completing of a physical product in a manufacturing sense, in a prototyping sense. Um, our founder was inspired to found NextFab uh, when he was working with uh, an organization called Fab Lab. And Fab Lab was taking 3D printers to uh, other countries uh, that were impoverished and finding that, you know, even a simple 3D printer can really help to improve the quality of life and solve problems. Um, so NextFab is really the next step in that sort of line of thought. Our wood shop is probably our busiest shop. Uh, it's extremely well-traveled. We have people who use it all different times of the day. Uh, we also have a spray booth back there for finishing. So it's the whole life cycle of your product. You can mill your lumber, uh, assemble your product, go back there, finish it, sand it, polish it, get it ready to go. And share with us a little bit more about um, how folks get involved with NextFab. I mean, what do you do? How do you start? So we are open to the public for membership, which means that anyone who comes in can really ask to be a member, sign up for a membership. Um, membership is a, it's a sliding scale of how many days a month you want to be in our facility doing something. Um, so we have lower level options where you could be here one or two days a month. We have higher level options and members who come in and this is their full-time job. They're here sometimes more than they are in their own homes. Um, just depends on what your goal is and you know how much time you need to spend in the facility. Uh, once you sign up for membership, you can take classes with us. Uh, for a very low cost, we are committed to keeping our classes and our education affordable for our members. Uh, and those classes, it, they're in all our areas uh, and all of our shops that we have machinery. So, you know, we have a class on table saw in the wood shop. We have classes on machining in our metal shop. We have uh, software classes for things that teach you design software, CAD software, uh, different types of coding in the electronics department. Uh, and you can sign up to take anything you want to. Uh, we start you off on a scale uh, for a concept we call certification which basically means that once you are certified on a tool, you've shown us proficiency, whether that's by taking the class and then passing that check, or by coming in with prior knowledge and showing that you can operate the tool in a safe way. Um, we enter it into our computer system and you're good to independently operate that machine and achieve your goals on your own timetable. So we serve both people who need education from ground up and people who already know how to use these tools and really just wanna be able to have a space to complete their goals. I know folks can take a class. I also know they can come in and use the equipment. Talk with us a little bit about the evolution of what I would call your average member. Some may evolve more quickly, and I know one of your goals is to get folks to be independent and sustainable, potentially if that's what their goal is as well. But how does that flow for the average member? So we have a very diverse community. We have some people who will come in and say, I'm on sabbatical for three months, what can you teach me? We have some people who say, I can only be here two days a month and over the next three years, I'm going to you know, learn how to make a table. And so really, the commonality I see between both of those groups is timeline. And I think that's where we excel. Our classes are custom scheduled if you want to. Our South Philadelphia location is open seven days a week. Um, and so if you have someone who wants to take all of these classes and gain the education in a tighter time span, we do that. If you have someone who can't commit to that sort of uh, timeline and needs to do it in a more long form way, we also do that for people as well. One thing that's really important for our members in any case is motivation. And most of our members are incredibly self-motivated. You know, they come in and they take a class with a goal in mind, or they take a class not knowing what they want to make, and then they come back and tinker around in the shop and find their passion or explore other areas that they hadn't really considered.
What a great story about the makers who are shaping the future. And it's happening right here in Greater Philadelphia. To hear the full interview with Eric Kaplan and Lisa Delaporta, visit 1210WPHD.com slash select. Growing Greater Philadelphia is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, and southeastern Pennsylvania. We focus on growing the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our community. Special thanks to our investors and our partners who believe in our work. And a special thanks to producers Elena Carmazan and Mari Salawares, and our writer Samara Grizel, and our researcher Steve Boucher. Learn more at selectgreaterphl.com and tune in to our podcast on 1210wpht.com slash select. Thanks, and join us next week. This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by Green and Spiegel, a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia Council. Green and Spiegel is a full-service immigration law firm that specializes in helping businesses grow in the Philadelphia region and nationally through global corporate migration. Learn more about Green and Spiegel at gns-us.com. Liberty Property Trust, a national firm with Philadelphia roots, is one of the nation's largest commercial real estate companies, owning 100 million square feet of industrial and office space. Learn more about Liberty at libertyproperty.com. A building is much more than the foundation, the roof, and the walls. A building represents reliability. I'm Amy Novak with Torcon Inc., and we're proud members of the General Building Contractors Association. We build places of hope and opportunity hospitals for children, and universities for future leaders. GBCA represents the strongest, safest, and most reliable commercial contractors in the Philadelphia region. Torcon is the GBCA. We are the new standard of building excellence. Visit GBCA.com to learn more. It seems everyone wants to make greater Philadelphia their home. Did you know that Philadelphia is ranked by the Huffington Post as one of the top 10 cities to relocate to in the U.S.? For more information on Philadelphia's rankings, visit Select Greater PA. 